Hello, welcome to The Honest Wargamer. I'm your host, Rob. Welcome to, I don't even know if I should call it the stream trick anymore, another day in the show, and I'm very excited. Oh, we've got Chris here. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? Or oh, afternoon, then. Oh, yeah, ish. We've just escaped the uh, the April Fool's hour, so none of this is <laughs> April Fool's, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, me and Chris today are going to be talking about uh, 3D printing, but specifically 3D printing in 40K. A lot of the 3D printing I've been talking about has obviously been Age of Sigma slash fantasy related, whereas Chris is far more keen and far more interested in 40K. So we've kind of been like messaging back and forth, and he's kind of like been showing me the 40K side of it to a degree. We'll talk on uh, talk on everything around that in a moment, but I just want to say hello, everyone. In the chat, thanks for being here. Stu Redacted, Inferno Storms. Thanks, Glodan, for sending me that little link a minute ago. I'll have a look at that. Um, <laughs> uh, see you later, Inferno Storms. Uh, this will be an interesting conversation, though, if you want to stay. Big Goldfish, what up? Major Sockbot, what's happening? Uh, Daylight Savings killed it for months. I'm sorry, Majos. Uh, and Hey Pask. Um, <laughs> uh, right, so, uh, Chris, um, uh, how are you? Are you well? What's going on? I'm all right. Yeah, we've we've obviously done the um, the bits. I'm on holiday for two weeks, which is why I was able to come on during the week. Um, which good. So we've done a bit of the gardening. We've done the quick run to the uh, garden centre and done all the adulting thing. And I get to talk to the good bit about the toy soldier side of things now after that. And then back to gardening afterwards is basically what's going to happen. Okay, so. nice. Is it sunny there? Um, no, it was better the last two days. So it's better for being out in the garden. I am not a sun person, so... <laughs> This is much better for me. A true 3D printer. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, uh, can I just ask some questions before we get into it? Because I think it's always nice for people to know. How long have you been into the hobby? Uh, so I started on my 10th birthday, so nearly 29 years now. Okay. Um, yeah, a significant amount of time. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, what's your, like, how do you feel about 9th edition? Like, how do you, do you feel it's a good game? Do you feel it's the best spin? Whereas, what, yeah, was, I'm quite lucky, so I'm going to get out of the way, but I managed to squeeze onto the Welsh WTC squad with Mr. Tom Layton mm-hmm. uh, and Gaz and the other guys, stuff like that. Mainly by proxy, I, I've always said that I'm Welsh and still live in Wales. So like the token guy that they had to put on the team because it looks wrong if everyone else lives in England. Yep. Uh, so we've done loads of TTS, basically. Um, I was a bit late coming to it. I didn't kind of start until the second lockdown that we had in Wales. Yep. Um, and then obviously bought a new PC, kind of got into it properly. So doing two, three games a week. So, yeah, we're enjoying it. Um, I play Knights as my main thing. So it's just starting to move away from the Knights now because they are not in a good place at um, WTC level, basically. Um, but I'm kind of happy enough with the rules that I can now go and have a go with other stuff um, and go and have a play with some of the other armies that I've not played for years um, and move more to the team format, basically. So, and what... Uh, yeah. And what about uh, what about um, uh, Ninth Edition and like the other armies? Like, which other armies specifically interest you? Would you say um, again? Probably because obviously the three D printing works so well, but anything that's got a tank usually goes quite well. Uh, so, <laughs> is a good one at that point. Space Marines kind of works well. Obviously, we should never be taking IP stuff, but some very close proxies on that side of things um, that really do kind of fit the business. So, um, well, well, I think we'll I think we'll deep dive into that conversation. Yeah. In a bit. But- because um, I think I think that's a really uh, good one. Hey Chris, what's up? Uh, MJ Pegasus, thanks for being here. Uh, hey Gitley, uh, nothing doing nights, not being able to do anything on WTC boards. Yeah, that's a question. Gitley uh, brought that up yesterday, actually, because we were talking about terrain yesterday. I know, I, I think you caught some of it. Um, what do you? How do you feel about nights playing on WTC boards? Is it that nights are bad or WTC boards are bad or both? Um, there's a little bit of both, maybe. I think one of the things that we did. So I've not played a single game of ninth using a big knight which in a way is a shame but because we used when i got into it straight into the wcc wtc terrain the big knights really do struggle and again having come from a background this, this is my first year of wtc stuff and having come from the background of playing around in warhammer world and smaller indie events stuff like that the terrain's obviously a different scale entirely so the struggles there a little bit of obviously um Big knights not being able to move, so we just ran pure armagers, which is great fun. Um, just putting 15, 14 armagers on the board, and just run at your opponent and go from there. So, a lot of fun on that side of things, but yeah, obviously, I don't know about fear, but just putting down a big knight and being able to get leveled in one turn is a significant chunk of your army. Whereas, as Glowdon's saying, that all the low level stuff you would expect knights just walk straight through it just to go kind of kicking through the leaves kind of style and get straight there. 
Okay. Um, and so, do you feel like the boards have been an issue? A little bit, yeah. Um, just going to get down the sights, and because there's so many obscuring things like that, knights just don't have the ability to go and throw, I mean, to uh, ignore line of sight stuff. So, especially on the low side of things. So, you've got your big things sat behind, all your big manticores and stuff like that, and there's, there's very little you can do about it apart from just grin, bear it, and keep on running, basically. So. Yeah, that makes no sense. It was actually a conversation I was having with Mr. Layton yesterday because we, uh, off the back of the show yesterday, uh, he called me um, mm-hmm. and we had like a long conversation about uh, designing boards here for the arena. And it was quite yeah. interesting. And, and, uh, and I know you, you and I think you know quite well and the, the Twitch chat know quite well based on the conversation, the amount of L's that you need. So we kind of yeah. like, so we talked about yesterday designing uh, four of our eight boards are going to be as opposed to having the eight standard L's and then your four transition pieces. Normally, so for you guys at home, you have eight L's, four of which will be like uh, 9.1 inches high and four of which will be 5.1 inches high. Um, so that will take you eight and create L shapes. And then you have four either su- four of something else, four forests, four crates, four, um, uh, um, oh, what are they called? The grates or four grates, right? So it's so you have twelve pieces, and you kind of have your eight standards and your four like additional like flavor pieces. So we talked about yesterday about turning the eight L's into eight sets of crates and seeing that yeah. what that would do to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the files that we're printing out, we want to print out things that look really nice, and we're like, okay, we'll make them, yeah. we'll give them the crate keyword sort of thing. We'll make them crates, and we'll see what four boards. So there'll be like four standard. Um, designed like nicely but work and then for like I know this is like super techie uh, for everyone at home but honestly like it's genuinely a really interesting conversation Uh, it took like an hour to work it out yesterday which probably working out terrain to play a game on shouldn't take an hour and two people who were heavily invested in the game there must just be some people at home who are like uh building what are you saying (laughs) yeah and it goes back to we had that chat on Twitter the day about whether you, you have to make that decision do you want that symmetry across between table edges or do you want the role for table edge to mean something and obviously different types of tournament players will want different things out of that so the top end WTC lines they don't want from what I've kind of seen obviously over a year of hanging around with them but they don't want it to be um, not symmetrical so therefore the dice model role doesn't matter because there's so many other things that come into it anyway which is why obviously the, the second also the last turn change in for whoever's gone second is a big part um, and I think you've got on the flip side of that for the terrain. Um, and there's probably events that you'd run which are maybe a bit more casual that don't want that symmetry. They want a little bit more, and there may be a little bit more theme to the board um, and doing it that sort of way. So um, you, as soon as you decide how that event's going to run and you transmit that to your players, then nobody's got any problems, hopefully, um, and go from there. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, nice. Uh, thanks to uh, the adequate wargamer for resubscribing for thirty-one months. You're more than adequate to me. Uh, and Major Sockbert, thank you for resubscribing. Playing a lot of little nights can be fun, but is it as fun as making Rob play Sinesh in AOS? Okay, appreciate you. That's... Um, uh... <laughs> little column A, little column B. Uh, and Pete says more crates stacked up in forty k universe than in the Suez Canal. Yes, yes. I think maybe that's really the the problem with the Imperium as as it is. There's probably just some sort of Suez Canal situation, and they don't have a little tugboat to help them out. I'm not sure. Yeah. The, yeah. the other flip side as well is obviously all the games workshop stuff, which is kind of what sets the standard for everybody to kind of go against in a way for wanting pretty terrain that's kind of functional, but not because it's games workshop. It's all imperial, so there is Always. no things to kind of switch across the L-shaped L-dart pieces or L-shaped terrain that you can get from Tyranids. But um, obviously, when you go into the 3D side, there is, which does make it a lot more interesting on that side. So, I, I think that's kind of the, the the key conversation as we as we move into the conversation about 3D printing, like from you, um, is that like I have like initially like my initial thoughts was and and still is that it's not that it's a competitive games workshop in any way is that like it really it really problem solves a bunch of problems that i have with the hobby as is um, yeah. obviously with terrain it's like a problem solving issue with uh, resin printers it's all to do with like having different sculpts that are amazing fun and arguably much cheaper so talk to me about um your decision to get into 3d printing when did that when did that jump up and happen um so kind of before kind of the first lockdown started i've kind of been looking at it kind of always in awe at some of the bits and pieces that you could say i was like oh, i could do that i could do that i could do that yeah that'd be quite cool and then so when the second lockdown hit 
um, had all summer to kind of do a bit more research on that side of things. Um, and then finally going, right, fine. And it came up on offer on Amazon. I was like, right, great. I'll, I'll grab one of those then. Just grab a little Mars Pro from Elegoo. Um, so, 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 just for everyone at home, how much was like how how much is one of those? Uh, so, I grabbed it for 190. I think it was. I think the normal price is about 240. Okay, so that's GBP for everyone at home. So, obviously, yeah. it was oh, yeah. eight billion dollars or whatever it was. Um, and then it was a couple of bottles of resin. Um, I went for the water washable just because obviously it's a bit easier to kind of clean up and everything. Um, and then just went right. Well, they've got this wash and cure station. Fine, this, you're talking 500 quid all in. And then you sorted, and we can kind of see what happens from there. And obviously, it's a lot of money, but isn't at the same time when you consider how much I'll drop on toy soldiers. Uh, and it went from there. So started off with that. Um, I think we were obviously back on the show where you actually prompted us to go and open it because it had been sat there for ten days in the corner, a bit scared of opening it up. Um, and obviously, with it controlling, just went and opened it, and it's kind of plug and play. It's so easy to kind of get started. Um, and then basically had six weeks of playing with that over Christmas uh, and then just dropped the money on, on the big Saturns. And then three weeks after that, I dropped the money on the second big Saturn just because, like, okay, I'm in now at this point. I've, I've, lots of people so, are asking to do bits and pieces. Yeah, so talk, so talk to me talk to me about that, that, that decision point because that goes up from 500 to like close to like another 1,500 quid, I think, roughly in my head. Uh, some quick math. Um, mm -hmm. like, what, like what was it about that initial set because if you guys aren't aware that's, that would be one of the smaller resin printers uh, so you wouldn't be able to do necessarily like tons off that um, but you can like if you just do them over time what was it about the process and also the environment what, what if you can remember back what were the initial kind of like impressions and what were those it, what was the go on it was, it, was, it was the first successful one that came out so the first couple were a bit like alright okay they're, they're, they're alright they're very, very like blocky and things like that and it's just I'm really into that just fine-tuning kind of tweak this a little bit tweak that a little bit and just kind of see how it hits and then there was like one or two pieces that came out these are really good to the point where they're probably better is it of ego a little bit but better than some of the standard Forge World that point out mm -hmm. where obviously we've kind of seen the images of stuff where there's layer lines and stuff like that on there on the Forge World models and on their website and stuff like that right, do you know what I can kind of do better than that Obviously, they're doing it on a factory scale, so in a way, they've got an excuse, but haven't at the same time. Um, and the stuff that I was pulling out was just like, this is really good. I want to print bigger. Um, was it, and, so it, was it you wanted to print bigger things or you wanted to print more things? Yeah, obviously, being, being a night lad, um, and obviously, I've always wanted a Titan. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this thing, I can kind of pump out Titans with this. Um, so something with the smaller one on the Mars side of things is you're only building something Kind of like, if you imagine four cans of Coke together, it's probably about the size of a, a build a plate. And the um, the bigger ones kind of jump up to like six cans in diameter, basically. And just, you can start getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where in the cupboard behind me, there's a, a Titan essentially ready to be built. Um, so, and obviously, whereas before you'd have to slice those up and cut them to different pieces, you don't have to. So you're just getting much neater trim lines and everything like that. So. I just need okay. the time to do the hobby now is the problem. <laughs> of course, of course, putting it all together. So talk to me about, um, talk to me about uh, like, so th that initial release, you saw the stuff coming out and you're like, cool, I just want to do bigger pieces. I want to do more stuff. Mm -hmm. What was it, what like, what was it about the designs which were like interesting and important to you? Because obviously uh, you're a 40K player predominantly. Like, yeah, what, like, what did you see? Which artists or what designs uh, like, really sold it to you? So there's an artist called Ethereum uh, who basically doesn't like being talked about because I think she got hit by DMCA for making some stuff that was a bit too close to the knuckle yeah. um, from Games Workshop. But she does um, knights and titans and tanks and stuff like that that they just fit. You could imagine them coming from Forge World. So they look that good. And that, that's the thing that really kind of like, okay, if I can kind of build this knight army further um, because I, I, was, I was a knight player since I came back into it about uh, about four or five years ago after a little bit of a break um, and just I was like okay they're kind of really good some really good stuff that you kind of sit around the other part and you can just mention yourself but Patreon day is brilliant because if you play Space Marines you obviously you get stuff fairly sporadically you'll probably get a, a release or two a year in most years if you play a Mechanicus, you'll see something every three, four years, as it's yeah. kind of gone previously. Um, and Knights, as a, as a force, have got, what, one, two, 
three, four, five kind of um, sets of models. And that's it. And that's probably your all game. And the next codex, when it drops, I'll, I'll probably put money on there won't be anything new in there. I, don't I, know. I put money on there will be. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see that bet. We'll come back to it. Clip that. Yeah, we'll, come back to that. we'll come back to that <laughs> next codex. But the flip side, obviously, every obviously you hit the start of a new month and it's like Christmas Day. So, right, and here's your next batch of things that you can go and play with this month. Um, so it's like, okay, that's, I'm really, really enjoying that side of things. Um, well, so let's so let's talk about let's talk about I think like the elephant in the room in this conversation because I think one of the things that's maybe like definitively different between different between kind of Age of Sigmar and 40k is 40k has always been like very WYSIWYG like it's very WYSIWYG like and like and there are definitely people who kitbash and do a bunch of stuff to their armies. Uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday. Did you see the guys who'd smoothed out Plague Marines so they just had yeah the ultra yeah <laughs> <laughs> they had fat ultramarines and they just smoothed out all of the the pox stuff which i thought was great but like it's being said in the chat and like we talked about a designer a moment ago some of the stuff is either very close to ip or i would say just blatant ip infringement in some cases right yeah. so how do you feel do you feel that there are designs out there which are like because i i i think the interesting one is like plague marines to me are plague marines in my head like, mm -hmm. I know what they look like. That's what they look like. There they are. Whereas, like, some shark being ridden by an elf can be any shark being ridden by an elf, I guess. Yeah, you've got that bit as well about... It's quite funny, because chatting to actual designers as well, they, they've got a code of ethics, which seems really weird for some people that just don't get the 3D printing, where there's... Um, obviously, there's some certain groups of discords where they share bits and pieces, and they'll basically go, "There's we don't do recasts. Not interested that's not our thing we don't talk about them um they don't do scans of gate of existing models from games workshop or other companies so if any of those get uploaded they're gone they just get deleted and that we're not here for the infringement we want to do stuff that's very close to the bone but not a direct copy and you can again you can find stuff if that's what you want to do but if you're kind of looking for it, you might as well just go and get it from workshop yeah okay uh, and kind of go and support it on that way um, but yeah, and again, I'll hold my hand up as a bit of a naughty lad. I print some bits and pieces, but um, mainly to see what it looks like, how it comes out. Um, but it's these other bits that that are so close that you could put them in there. Like some of the Admex stuff that you can find, absolutely stunning. And it's filling gaps in the games workshop range that just isn't going to get filled anytime soon. Especially with, again, for me, the Forge World side of things are always the fun bits. Yeah. Um, with that kind of collector side of things, but Forge World are kind of like dabbling in the water at the moment and not kind of really doing much. So something's probably happening behind the scenes there. Um, so, what, so like, just to kind of like reiterate the question in some ways, uh, and Twitch chat, I'd love to know your thoughts. Like, can you envision a game? Because I think this is like the the difference between like you and me. Like, I'd be like, here's all the fantasy stuff I printed. You're like, that's cool. I know. Although I've seen you printing some giants, which look great, yeah, <laughs> and some other stuff. But you're like, here's a space marine thing, and here's a, well, not a space marine thing, a space warrior thing. Sorry, uh, yeah. and here's a here's another space warrior thing, and I'm like, okay, these are all great. Like, but I guess I don't know. I don't know what it is internally in my head, and I wonder what everyone else feels about it. Like, something about the fantasy universe makes me feel like I can just do what I like, but something about the 40k universe feels like I couldn't use alternate sculpts. But I'm not saying you couldn't, if that makes sense. Like, I'm sure there's yeah. someone who could, like, do space warriors infested with disease, um, like, that would look great, but, like, am I, am I making my point clear? Yeah, yeah, like, well, they're, they're plague marines, but they're not plague marines. They're not the plague marines I know type of plague marines. I guess so. Like, I, 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 I think it's quite clearly like. Whereas Eldar, I don't know. Like, uh, like obviously guard. I feel like you could do all sorts of guard, and that's <laughs> fine. Um, like, and you could have loads of different sculpts for guard, and I think that that's something that's really obvious. Tyranids, I feel like you could do like they're just space monsters, so I think you can like do what you like with Tyranids. I think as well. Um, but when it comes to Marines, like, what are your feelings on stuff that you've seen, yeah. and how do you feel about it? A lot of the marine side is probably less ingenious, get the right word out, compared to some of the other races. So, exactly said, the guard stuff that you do get find other bits and pieces. There's certain kind of parts within each one that people try and replicate. So, Krieg, for example, it comes out of Forge World. It's very, very expensive. 
um, on that side to buy from Forge World. So people will just replicate all the Krieg bits and pieces um, as a really big popular side of things. Mm. Marines, again, is probably that iconic part. Um, whereas, again, with the AOS side, I guess part of it is because it's come out of fantasy where you could have used anything, you'd have different orcs in different ranges and things like that. Um, it just feels more um, that you want to kind of stick to the original stuff. I think the part of it as well is the designers-wise, if they're trying to make a couple of quid out of it, it's easier just to put something out that meshes with what's there. So that it's the yeah. money in the pocket side is probably more why they're going for it, I think. Yeah, I think, I think I think one of the things that's interesting, and I talked about this on kind of like the SDL show on Sunday, I was like, when you have people like, let's say, Titanforge or um, Arts and Guild as designers, what they generally tend to do is they give you like, here's some undead, and you can build most of an undead force out of it. Like, mm-hmm. you can give them bows, you can give them spears, here's some riders, here's some characters. Like, they give you the kind of the basis to build most of an army from, which I think is really great. I don't know if I've seen any designers who go kind of like, this is my take on Space Marines. Like, this is yeah. my take on Space Warriors. There's, there's a couple of ones. So Spartans is quite a common one um, that kind of pops up. But I, I don't know, it's because Age of Sigma is a bit hard to, to find things that look like Games Workshop stuff. It's a lot harder on the, the Age of Sigma side of things from the 3D printing. Well, it's because I, I don't think you need to is the point. No, like, I, it's probably that weird thing of, 40k was always the converters one when I was a kid and when I used to work for workshop as well and you always had the people who come in and would spend more time converting their 40k armies than they would their fantasy battle armies as it was back then um, and it's kind of flipped that it seems that Age of Sigma is a bit more, will take more people on board and more designers on board than 40k, which is people want a manticore to look like a manticore Yeah, then um, that's my point and so and that's kind of the kind of title of the show and the question really out there is do you think 3D printing is applicable in the 40k universe, or in what way is it applicable? Is it is it that it's better 3D printing mainly focusing on like shoulder pads, different helmets, different weapons? Like, like what what do you think the 40k game, like as a as a gamer and someone who wants to put stuff down on tabletops, but also someone who wants to respect the IP, like how do you feel like is the best way to be a 3D printer in that universe? Um. It's, you've kind of got to draw your moral line it's part of it um, okay, yeah. you, you can kind of go right I'm just going to have 100% and I could put it on the table and Games Workshop would not know to the point where we're kind of some of the 3D printers are laughing in recent weeks because uh, Workshop on their Warhammer hobby show was showing off a model and someone just went uh-huh, that's a 3D print and obviously the guys chatting about it hadn't realised at all so obviously yeah. it's, it's inf- kind of becoming infallible on that side because People with their calibers, uh, oh, so the calipers are measuring stuff out and can create exact recap um, readings. Um, I, I kind of the shoulder pads side of things, yeah, great. Um, I've done it myself. I've got a marine army with um, like the Mantis Warriors shoulder pads and the helmets and stuff like that that I'm working on. Um, but I can, again, I can fully understand why somebody would would want something that looks like a Games Workshop and feels like they're getting it and. Again, you'll have some people who feel like, haha, I'm getting some getting something over on the big company um, because it's a lot cheaper to do the 3D printing. Once you're in, you can create something for a lot less than what workshop are going to charge you for the same thing. So- well, I mean, so th- there's a great conversation there as well, I think, also. like, uh, So y- y- your, question, y- your point about the moral line, I think, is true because before the kind of like raise, and I, I do feel like 3D printing in its current form, Matt, as you and I have both started getting into it around the same time, yeah. is like still fairly new. Like maybe if you go back two years, probably it would have been like the ground floor. But I feel like yeah. we're still about there now. Um, with the, the kind of ecosystem. Oh, go on, you. The other part as well, I had a conversation with some of the Welsh lads the other day, is how you see the 3D printing kind of as a skill set. So if you go back to Games Workshop when you were younger and you used to go into a workshop and people would have the cabinets there and you've got these really well converted because back in the day, if people are new to Games Workshop, you could buy bits. So you could actually mail all the, the parts from them and say, I'll have this single model, I'll have this single head and all those bits and pieces. So you'd have these really well-crafted, converted green stuff that models. And they kind of went through a phase when I was working for workshop that they, they took that out and the conversion level started to go down. But the three, the again, quality of some people with their green stuff skills, for example, started to go up. 
So yeah. they're able to craft to a higher level on that side of things. And you would kind of see this army in the cabinet and go, that's amazing, I could never do that. And then 3D printing's come along, where you've got a similar type of people, they've got really good skills at creating them, but then rather than keeping them for themselves, they'll put it on the internet and go, there you go, all the, all the muggles can have them, and suddenly everybody <laughs> can have it on that side of things. And, some I'm definitely are, a muggle. I want you yeah, to know I'm that. on the muggle side. I have no, I've learned how to chop arms off. That is my level at the moment. Um, <laughs> I don't think I even ever learned that level. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but people will go, oh, I can print 10 of these out now, or I could have 20 of these, and all those kind of little bits and pieces that, again, Games Workshop is never going to release a thousand different chapters worth of shoulder pads. Just never, ever going to happen. You've got your big 10, say, give or take, and that's it. Whereas... You can, with a system that's on every computer, you can go and go, right, I can put this image onto that. I've got the shoulder pad, and suddenly I've got the Honest Wargamer chapter by putting bits and pieces on there. Just realised that that's obviously what I want to make happen. I yeah. think there's a, there's a point, like, thank you for blowing my whole fucking mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyone who wants to do the Honest Wargamer shoulder pads for Marines, please let us know. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the thing in the chat, which I think is really good, and I think your point is true as well, because I know that um, I don't know if you happen to watch. It was a really good video done by Midwinter Minis where he talked about recasting. I don't know if you saw that uh, video. Did you happen to see it? No, I missed that one. But go so he it. went into like a kind of a, like a long deep dive about uh, recasting, which I think you probably could have just re replaced the word recasting with printing in mm -hmm. that conversation. And he was just talking about the fact that it was just really prevalent. Like, and before we ever, ever, ever ever got to the conversation about 3D printing to any serious degree, which I think is where like the hobby is at now, obviously there was like, you can get it from China, like, or there's a recaster down the road. Yeah. yeah. Like those are conversations that are being had. Obviously something that you shouldn't do and something that's illegal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, was something that was occurring everywhere. And like, yeah. like to like a very public degree, like, especially at like top level competition, like tournament gaming, like especially America, I felt like there was a lot of people like Australia. They were like my whole army, like it's not from this, like yeah. which was I think was um like was like at the time I was like very anti it. But I think one of the things that I'm seeing uh, in the chat, and I think it's true, and it touches on your kind of like um uh, point about like being a like a green stuffer to some degree. Like if I have a, a space marine legs and body, but then I <laughs> stick on a head which I've like green stuffed, some arms which I've green stuffed, yeah, or like I've got some other bits from somewhere or whatever, a cloak which I've green stuffed, and then like some like other like stuff that, or replace that all with green stuff and yeah. change that to printed. I mean, it's like it's only about forty percent a games workshop model at that point, mm -hmm. yeah, and then like, and you and the point is. I can't green stuff the shoulder pad, but I could print it. I can't green stuff the cloak, but I could print it. And yeah. so you kind of say to yourself, well, fucking why just also print the legs? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it feels very, yeah. uh, like, especially because maybe you don't like the pose. Maybe you're like, okay, the pose, they're like, okay, well, you can get the legs and you can chop them up and you can reposition them. And like, yeah, I can also just do that in a computer program. And then yeah. I don't have to have any of those skills. So I think the conversation is like very fraught as soon mm -hmm. as you get along those lines. I think yeah. just like copy paste a Games Workshop design and print it out, I think is mm -hmm. like just, I'm just going to say that that's wrong. Yeah. Like I just, that's where I'm at. But uh, our French war game. Thanks for following us. Bonjour, my friends. Uh, we hey, raided them the other day. Jack in the chat's nailed it there about change up and make it different is a big part. So yeah, I will hold my hand up. As, hopefully the Games Workshop police don't kick the window down or anything like that. But I've done bits, and like these are kind of direct copies and stuff like that. But actually, you know, the interest in general is what's what's a bit different. So what fits that background, what fits that theme, but without being a, a complete ripoff. Um, so the the homage side of things, yeah, I kind of I'll go with that. But um, yeah, what you yeah with the green stuff and skills, it comes back to that. Whereas somebody had the skill before, they've just hoarded it to themselves, and yeah, they might kind of sculpt you a, a shoulder pad for them to go on a character. But nobody's going to expect someone that's done a shoulder padding green stuff on the emblems to then reproduce that a hundred times for an entire army. Whereas, obviously, if you try and put that on the printer because it's done digitally. You put it on the printer, and you can have sixty um, shoulder pads printed out in under ninety minutes. 
which is obviously a hell of a lot quicker than trying to do all the recasting and playing with silicons and all of that side of things, which is just more and more expense on top of what can be an expensive hobby. So, um, yeah, definitely on there. It's it's more fun that side, I think. But yeah, I've done bits. I've printed some Space Marines that are much bigger. Um, I saw those. Now that's what something that I thought was quite interesting. Kind of. They're not for other people. They're purely for me. It's for, purely for the, the experience of playing, painting something a bit bigger. New challenges to go with it, and go with, go from that basically. But also, um, like, would make uh, some of the designs I've been looking at at the minute from like third party sculptors. Um, is uh, so me and Tom, me and Tom, uh, we're talking about. So I've got some Necron terrain at the minute, and I was mm -hmm. going to put some like laser beams between it. Yeah. And Tom had this great idea. He was like, "Why don't you make it so there's like a katan, like in between? It's like being like prisoned." And yeah, I was yeah. like, that would be amazing. But it would also cost me like £800 or something to get that many contacts. <laughs> right? Yeah. But I was like, I could probably find something that kind of looks like a Catan, but isn't a Catan, yeah, obviously. Yeah, you could find yeah. a space god of some description yeah. and obviously scale it up and look appropriate from there, basically, yeah. Yeah, and then that would look really good. Like, And ultimately, I think like Bradley's saying, like a lot of it is homage. Like it's the, <laughs> it's the inability... Uh, like because if someone built that from um, someone built that from I don't know like what, like bendy straws whatever those things are and they use some like plaster Paris or they use some fucking uh, green stuff or whatever and built it up and sculpted it themselves no one would have a problem you'd be like yeah. wow that's yeah so good. it's absolutely you... fine can you make me one whereas on this side of things it becomes can you make me one but I'll do it in the 3D printer and I'll be ready in 24 hours type of thing yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff I've done as well. It's like some of the old classics. So um, I did like Saturnine Terminators that I managed to find online. And Games Workshop hasn't made a Saturnine Terminator since like 1988 or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll see how well this looks. But if I hold that up like that, just forward, forward a bit. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, towards your face. Go for your right, face. My face. Hold it in front of your face. There we go. Yeah, it's not work. There no, we it go. worked. It worked. There we go. There you go. You can see it. Nice. There we go. And again, you will, I don't think you'll ever see those from Games Workshop, but then for me, that's kind of the, the Warhammer from when I started. So it's very much a case of let's kind of print a couple of those out because they're cool on that side. And, and you know, Nikos would be happy with them. But yeah, it's those little bits of pieces that Games Workshop don't make anymore or never did make. You just saw them in the artwork and all those bits and pieces. That's the, that's the enjoyment, I think, for me on that side of things. Um, that, makes, that makes sense. Hmm. Oh, thanks to uh, a Heavy French War Game Studio for donating ten pounds to the show. Oh, no, thank you, Merci, uh, mon frère. I don't speak French. I'm like an ignorant English human being, and I apologise profusely for both my culture and my people, uh, <laughs> of which I have a really good representation. I think. Let me just see what the chat's saying now. Um, uh, so, uh, totally okay with shoulder pads, head swaps, etc., to give unique flavour. I don't think Games Workshop against that. Uh, says Maxi Taxi. Um, as it's not taking money away from them, you still buy shoulder pads uh, with the core model. It's completely rip-offs I have a problem with, which I think is super fair. I think that's, yeah. general, I think that's generally the main vibe from everyone, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I saw someone do some Emperor's Spears. I think I saw some Spears 3D printed out. And yeah. someone someone did, like, an Emperor's Spears chapter, which is based on the um, ADB book, right? I don't mm. think they do any Spears. Like, no, there was um, there was some transfers that came out with one of the books as like a limited edition thing, and that's it. That's all you get in basically, unless you start converting. Which, in the day, is what Games Workshop what you want wants is they want you to go and buy a box of fish elves to go and take the spears off them and put them onto your Space Marines because it's more money in their pocket. That's what they want, um, which is understandable because it's a big global business at the end of the day. Um, but obviously, some people are a bit mm, actually maybe not. Well, I mean, it, it, oh, go on, after you. No, go on, no, it's fine. I was just going to say, it, it brings up a really good point um, uh, from Zidane, which I'd like to talk about in a moment as well. Uh, Andrew Forrest says, quick question for Chris. Uh, what is the funniest not a Space Marine Games Workshop name that you've seen for an alternative model or set? Um, I've seen a walking tomb that rages like Captain Kirk in Star Trek. Um, so it's from a certain legion of space marines from the heresy uh, which is pretty good to be fair that's probably the best one um, as a description but not a description at the same time that's a proper in joke on that side <laughs> um, I've seen the Odrin tank as well which is the old 
uh, Rogue Trader deodorant um, tank that was made way, way back in the day from Rogue Trader. I've seen that one doing the rounds as well. This one's actually 3D sculpted it. Um, but the, the raging like Khan is the best one I've seen. That's, that's the funniest one recently. Yeah, I think one of the, uh, I don't know, like, I think the conversation is so fraught. Like, and I think Dreadwoods earlier on said that, like, earlier on, uh, he said, he was like, before the invention of the camera, obviously, painting or art was really just replication. It was just, I can replicate your face. And then they, and then they were like, oh, we best do modern art. And it's like, well, probably because, like, you, you could take a photo, but you could do a painting. Um, and I think, I think when it comes to fantasy, as I've said before, I think the conversation is, it's just about options. Yeah. However, I think that they've done a really good job of like nailing, this is our thing. This yeah. is what this looks like. And so it's quite hard to like, I think 40K has an aesthetic that is its own aesthetic. And I think that that's yeah. like Titan Forge is a great example. I really like some of the Titan Forge bits and pieces that I've got. And Titan Forge has got it and they, they've got their, this is our thing. But the thing about fantasy as well is you've got other games so you've got Dungeons & Dragons and you've got Pathfinder and all these other bits and pieces where they've got applicable use over there. And 40K hasn't really got that. There is no other big, massive science fiction game or RPG that kind of goes with it. So it's easy to stay in your lane a little bit, I think, for the designers. And there's people out there doing their own bits and pieces. And yeah, they, they would go, that would fit in there, but it looks nothing like Games Workshop. Uh, yeah agreed now um I, but then i guess like if someone was to do like i don't know space warriors and like and if it wasn't like them but i don't know i think it's an interesting one the the, the good conversation that came up in the chat a moment ago um is about official events because mm -hmm. i think this is one of these things that we're all gonna be experiencing in the next few years obviously uh i don't well no official announcement as us to yet of, of an official kind of like pro tour uh, mm -hmm. from Games Workshop or Games Workshop licensed events. I live in Nottingham, so like being able to go over to Warhammer World, I'm never going to be able to go over there and play with any miniatures. Like, like I already had this image. Like All my Playmarines, for instance, every single one of them is just like proper... It's all Warhammer, yeah, yeah. like proper Games Workshop stuff. Yeah. But like, I can still imagine, some because it's me, some dick walking up to me and being like, oh, you've 3D printed that, I'm just going to fucking snap my model in half and just like, make <laughs> it feel like pure trash. Like, yeah. I'm like there you go. Uh, it's plastic. But my point is, at licensed events from Games Workshop, so for instance, I imagine things like Nova in the future in America and a bunch of the American events, maybe eventually some English events, and there may be generally events everywhere. There'll be a huge push to have, like being said in the chat by Zero Zidane, um, there'll be a huge push to have only Games Workshop uh, bits, and in, in fact, no 3D printed parts, no yeah, awesome custom I shoulder pads. And Again, I, I do wonder about that because I feel like that really impacts on the creativity of the hobby. Yeah, I, I think it will kind of work two ways and it will more people will come into it as newcomers. So a bit like how the Games Workshop stores work of you go in, you learn how to play nowadays if you're on the younger scale of things. They do an intro game for you and then you move on, basically. And yeah, their, their kind of phase would go learn there and then you go to Warhammer World and you play there and then maybe... You stick with that. Maybe you go out into the great wide world of indies. Um, the US and UK have kind of come from it in different ways because the US has had these independent events to a much larger scale. So Las Vegas and all those bits and pieces. Um, whereas obviously we've had Warhammer World as our big place until some of the bigger events, like the, um, LGT. the big ones, LGT and things like that, starting to crop up because part of it is organizers want to compete with. Um, the American megas uh, I think there's a big element to it on that side of things um, and kind of take it away which does open up the, the chance to have more individual bits and pieces um, thinking back a couple of weeks ago when Neil Kerr was on the show yeah, talking about going abroad and obviously going to places like Croatia and stuff like that where 3D printing, if it wasn't for 3D printing you wouldn't have a tournament scene over there because of the prices compared to regular day-to-day -day prices side of things. So I'm kind yeah, of, when, when, when a box of miniatures is almost like a quarter of your monthly wage, you're not yeah. putting an arm together quick, and you're definitely not producing a competitive scene. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll have a, yeah so without the 3D printing, and obviously to an extent, probably to a bigger extent, really, the recasting side of things, that's what's allowed their scene to grow. Um, so I can kind of understand it on that side of things. Um, I think down the line, workshop do sell STLs. I think it happens. 
I don't think it's within five years. I think it's more the five to ten year kind of mark we're doing it. But I could fully see Forge World becoming the STL shop. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Maybe, maybe well, you're right. Especially for enterprise themselves, but I can see it happening because if work. Maybe for the upgrade thing, kits, like I, uh, I can see that. Yeah, that maybe makes sense. Because the thing about them as well is there is no way of Games Workshop. If if they could do it, or if you could print one of them and that's it, Games Workshop would be all over it. But it's not. You can duplicate and I can have more and more and more, and that's what's going to push them back from doing it. I think. Um, but I think it happens when they kind of twig on how they do it. I think it'll go. Um, yeah, like, I, 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 I personally, we, we, again, we'll come back to this conversation in five <laughs> years' time. Yeah, <laughs> not certain on that. Um, ultimately, because they're they're a manufacturing company. Really, the money that they make is on the markup. It's not on anything else around it, ignoring IP, which is going to be a huge push of theirs. And one I'm personally very excited about. Like, I think the IP for both games are phenomenal. Um, and I can't wait to see stories. Like, obviously, already invested in audiobooks and um, and fiction for coming out of those. But to see TVs and movies come out of those eventually, I think I think you could have something that comfortably rivals the MCU significantly. And, and, yeah. like, and, it's, and it's very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how, how, and then at which point? At which point? I think the miniature side of it will actually become not the. Mi- I think maybe we might see them as a company. This is getting in, like really deep into it. We might see them transition into a media company eventually, and the manufacturing part of it, like you've said, maybe we will just end up with uh, yeah. like books and designs. Think about the else as well. Is you're not taking up stock space. So if you start moving into that, and obviously people do print to order in their stores, and games workshops become kind of take away from the work, the game bit, and become the workshop bit, where suddenly there's half a dozen 3D printers in there, and you go, "I'll have that, that, and that." Great, come back in a week, and it'll be ready for you. Is another potential route as well. But uh, talking about becoming a media company, they're already going that way. They're making much more money. Uh, see, the, the toy soldiers is still their biggest income, but. They kind of got their fingers in so many pies now of all these games and trying to do films and all the other bits and pieces that it's going that way. In the same way that Marvel makes its money out of the films and not the comics anymore. Mm. So it's- the Kitsune Adventures is just coming to the chat and said, I'm totally against people 3D printing stuff for 40k. Well, this has been a part of a large conversation. You might want to go back and listen to the rest of it. The TLDR very quickly is, is I think we've kind of drawn a line that uh, upgrade parts are like very okay and in fact actually is the only way you can really do any customization unless you have any quality designing skills uh, like with greed stuff and if you have that's great but not all of us are you uh, and I think that it's a really healthy conversation to talk about it because someone talked about earlier about like, designing Space Marine with like Spartan shields. Imperial Knights or even Chaos Knights are another good example as well. <laughs> Being able to do different shoulder pads uh, with some filigree or some stuff on, that would be super cool. We've obviously seen before the Space Wolf kind of head and shoulders and the claws. Yeah. We've seen the knight with the... Um, that was around, yeah. I think, years That's ago. Before. The, the original, really, was the big wolf knight conversion kit that you could get. Yeah, yeah. big I mean. shields, I thought, was also uh, really fun and stuff. And those are just, like, really... Hey, Forks Art, big love to you. Hope you're well. Um, uh, Mom, <laughs> I don't know how to say anything in Scottish, so I won't try. But I was trying. To, I was like, <laughs> what do I say? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, I think that there's so many options going forward in the future. Personally, for me, this is where I'm at with the whole thing, and the 40k side of it, which has been been your bag, has been tough for me uh, because mm-hmm. I've I've been like, it always feels close to the bone. But it's the upgrade kits. It's yeah. the upgrade kits all day because you do want your Marines to look different to their Marines. We talk about designing your own chapters all the time, but like, oh man, like some people get really into it. Like, I don't know if you've seen on this Marine, but I've added an extra grenade belt and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. But someone does, right? Yeah. <laughs> someone does, right? And like, that's fucking great. And you do head swaps. That's cool. Different heads different weapons, different shields. That, it, for me, yeah, it's, is... It's, it's the shoulder pad syndrome of, if I'm playing, again, especially if you're on the tournament side and you're chasing the meta of, this week, white scars are the best, whereas next week, dark angels are the best, which obviously kind of depend on your point of view of who sits top of the tree at the moment. So if I can do a custom chapter, and if, if you actually care about the paint inside, then having your own chapter, and they've got a their own thing and it hits that three colors minimum that's required to get my 10 points in the tournament it's much easier to just paint that little bit of a symbol on there it makes my life easier than trying to paint it by hand or doing um, decals and stuff like that 
Um, so yeah, the, the shoulder pads is the easy one, and then you just build and build from there, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think. Uh, do you where do you see the uh, the economy of the whole like uh, thing? Like for you, because like I know like uh, some of your friends have been like, hey, can you print me some shoulder pads and some other stuff? Like, do you think that like I saw someone put in the chat earlier? Do you think that we're gonna? Because I think that this is this isn't like some flash in the pan. This isn't a fad. This is now just no. how we do things. Yeah, this, this is, is it now. This is going forward. I think definitely. Yeah, uh, for me, as I know someone that sculpts for Games Workshop, uh, it feel about offensive to them, or they can be offended. Like fuck them. Um, <laughs> the like, what well, they're offended that other people are allowed. Like my favorite thing about the other three D designers is not people who rip off Games Workshop, but the other ones. Yeah, and there's some lovely people. Like the work and the effort and the passion and also the creativity. I've just um, literally last night I got the link to get the tortles from Bite the Bullet. So they're like some cool berserkers who are tortles. And I was yeah. like, could I do like 30 corn berserkers that are just turtles? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like that's where my brain goes. <laughs> yeah. And for me, as someone like, like a des- the relationship between us as consumers and the designers is one of they allow us to put our creativity. The Games Workshop designers do the same. Yeah. And the company does. And thank you to them for always allowing us to have done this. And now I think it's amazing other people do this. They go, hey guys, here's your imagination. Go wild with it. And then you paint your imagination up and you play with your imagination. You make shooting sounds. You're like, pew, pew, pew. Yeah, and it's great. Your imagination is in, like, that's why I think the hobby is so good. I try and explain it to people sometimes. I'm like, your imagination has no limits. But it did have limits previously. It did have limits. What was available now their limits the limits are almost like yeah and again the the youtube side of things with guides of how to create stuff kind of plays a part into it um okay obviously you use yourself as an example obviously you left games workshop and when you did something because you're you wanted to go a different route and obviously there's probably reasons backstage you've probably talked about it plenty of times and then duncan did the same as well and duncan went off to do his thing because he's got his way now Again, not that I'm suggesting that they're going to do it, but if to pick a name out that stands out. So Darren Latham was one of their sculptors. Darren Latham decided to walk away and set up a Patreon. He basically would probably earn more than he works for Games Workshop, I would reckon, I guess, quite quickly. Um, again, maybe it hasn't got that job security that working for Workshop has got, and there's obviously a lot of kudos that comes with working for Games Workshop as well. Uh, on that side but and also yeah. love and also love for the company yeah why would you not want to be in that environment if you found your niche and you're happy and you you've got job security and it, you're set for life brilliant um because it's not like latham's going to walk away and join mantic if he walks away he's going to do his own thing also can we talk about the fact that like like i don't think 3d printing is in any way um I don't think 3D printing is in any way a threat to Games Workshop. I think eventually they have no, to change no, no. their business. I think they have to change their business practice eventually. But I, like, I think the company will survive and grow, especially with their push into media. However, people like Mantic, you go look at their web store and you're like, nuh uh. Like, I'm not buying that hot yeah. trash ever again. <laughs> like, <it's>, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and the other way to look at it as well for all these patrons and watching people is it's kind of like free advertising the way for Workshop. But also, it's kind of like your traineeship program. Of going, that person is really good and gets our style, and we like that. Well, so- actually, so one of the things that I do know when I was there, I had a conversation with someone, is they struggle. And actually, I don't know if you're on the Games Workshop store and you have like Games Workshop website now, or wherever it is, the recruitment thing, they always struggle to hire in artists or specifically yeah. model designers. And mainly because, and this is very important, mainly because if you're a good 3D designer, you're working for fucking, you're working for a studio. Like, you're working yeah. for some studio somewhere yeah, in the yeah. world. You yeah, kind of or, the workshop layer and you go up a level, yeah. Yeah, you go straight up a level, right? You're yeah. like, no, I don't, I don't want like eighteen grand or whatever the fuck you're going to pay me. And like, and now if you're anyway a good at like doing three D sculpting in any way, you can comfortably set yourself up a Patreon. And like, it doesn't have to be your main source of income, but you could start just being like, here's some cool designs, some yeah. stuff I like. And I think yeah. there'll be people out there. I think that that's that is the crux is the relationship between between designers and purchasers has got very close and i think that that's actually a real big bonus um because i think like if we if we all talk about uh, in brackets supporting the artist and if anyone tries to ever throw that in your face i think you can just like hammer them back and be like my relationship is one-to-one right like like i pay them directly 
and then they give yeah. me product directly. And, and again, or you go back to the Patreon, they're all using Discord channels, so they post up a work in progress, and they can get feedback straight away. And you've got a whole variety. And the more people that join your Patreon, the more feedback you're getting to, you know, I like that idea, I don't like that idea, and, and kind of build. Whereas Games Workshop is obviously, a, yeah, we think that looks really good. Like the face on that new sister's double hammer lady, let's say. Yep. Uh, how's that passed? And that's like, we'll just put a helmet on that and go from there. So obviously it's a bit more niche maybe on that side compared to more open access on the independent sculpted side of things. Right, so any questions in the chat? Um, because I know we covered a lot of stuff today, and it isn't stuff we necessarily covered before, but having Chris on, and thank you, Chris, for being on the show, yeah. to talk about the 40K side of it, because I do think that there may be some sort of fundamental difference between at least the two. I mean, we haven't even touched on, fuck, I could do this show again and just invite someone on from Blood Bowl. The Blood Bowl guy will be like, don't give a fuck, everything's different. I got 18 different teams. And you're like, okay, Blood yeah. Bowl guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> Here, they play. They play. Upling ice hockey team. Thank you very much. <laughs> Like, right. those guys were playing the game for 20 years without any games workshop involvement. They're like, the whole company set up to design other Blood Bowl teams. Yeah. Um, so, like, it, it, so it's it's pretty wild that, like, people get defensive, especially for a corporation. Stop licking boots, you bitches. Um, but, like, I'll be yeah, about that. I, I've, been, I've been on Warhammer TV a couple of times, and obviously I've had my models on there. And it's a, it's a lovely kind of pat on the shoulder that you get a bit of, kudos for what you're doing and all that side of things but so my first interaction with you was on warhammer tv way oh, back nice. with my the most line when you'd ask it's still six it's funny but you'd asked about where's the most exotic place you'd ever played warhammer and i replied middlesbrough which <laughs> is great on tv and obviously proper corpse on t on the on the channel at that point like, right that's my moment so if i ever speak to you again probably that's the one to kind of bring up side. but um <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. Uh, I'm three for three of wins on Warhammer TV for tournaments as well. So whether I ever get to go on again after doing something like this and talking about it is an entirely different question. But um, that doesn't matter. Like, yeah. like I think I think the conversation is the conversation <laughs> is an upfront and healthy one, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, but they uh, so okay. Yeah, I wonder if anyone has any questions in the chat before we do head out today, because I do think maybe it's like an over-egged one. Maybe we've talked about it too much in the past, like few months or i have but i do like i feel like it's like i saw um dana how uh, i don't really like watch much of her stuff not for any particular reason i don't really watch any content i'm an ignorant fuck but mm -hmm. like um uh, i saw her video she did like uh, i know mikey from hellstorm he did one some stuff about um 3d printer recently like all of the content creators like miniac fucking pick a like uh, uh pick a, a a youtuber who's into this hobby they're all having this conversation and it's all like yeah, this and obviously some of them getting uh, Mikey, for example, got his for free off Elegoo, so um, on that side of things. So yeah, it's, people are pushing it further on that side. Um, Nikos got very good. So what do they, what do they sound like? Obviously, I don't know what your FDMs are like, but my um, the resin ones that I have, they're pretty much silent. So, so um, it the resin ones, yeah, and I, you probably can't hear it from here. The only actual sound that my uh, FDM makers uh, make is like, it's a weird noise. It's every like 18 to 24 hours I hear, fuck, why have you done this? I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> it's a little secret there somewhere. <laughs> it's weird, Maybe it's me. When they're completely silent, that's obviously something's not working right. You want, it's like a little suction noise. And it's basically, it's the print actually lifting off the, the sheet to make it work. Um, but yeah, they're, they're pretty much silent, to be honest. It's, just getting used to the smell is the thing. Once you're on that, you're on some jobs are good in, Yeah, true. Uh, question from ForksArt says, do you think we will get some female Space Marines in the future? Who knows? But what's nice is a 3D sculptor can just give you some lady Space Marine heads. Uh, there are a couple of 3D things out there. The thing with the female Space Marines, so loads of my friends, they, they love the idea, and they'll go and put Sisters of Battle heads on there or alternate system heads on there. But the, the dangers, you, you can't think, uh, this is coming from a, war, being a, a live role player at the same time, the armor doesn't change. If it's good armor, it doesn't change. So you suddenly don't have boom boom plate like the sisters do. So a space marine is a space marine, and as soon as they put the helmet on, you go, "That's a female space marine," and just trigger loads of people straight away. <laughs> so marine. tempted. Uh, yeah. So also, Fox Art's doing all of her marines in pink, and it looks brilliant. Um, yeah, like brilliant. I'm all for all of it, right? Like I want like gritty, realistic, Horus Heresy style, like 
true reenactment style and sometimes i was like fucking stick a brony on the front of it put uh, like which obviously weird like stick a fucking fluffy helmet on and just crack on like the whole thing is that it's a game of imagination like and i think people lose that a lot of the time um yeah because you go back to second edition when i started and it said in the in the actual rule book as long as i remember it properly these are just a starting point go nuts do what you like and at some way along the way people have forgotten that that seems to be a thing. It's so prescribed that this is what Games Workshop say we have to do, and we just keep we stick with that basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just go and have a laugh and go. If you want to use this, do that. Um, so one of the people in there, so Namgib, mentioned about the space ponies. I've totally seen those space ponies. They're not for me, but I can understand that for a certain group, they might space be space ponies. Yeah, they're basically they're space marine versions of My Little Pony. Fuck off. Yeah. No. I'm against yeah. that. I want to know, <laughs> I, like, 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 I'm open for creativity, but I'm putting like a fucking foot right down. Nope. No, but if that means that a young young girl, because I've got a little boy, so he's three, so he likes daddy's robots, and he's going to end up playing Warhammer when he's a bit bigger, right? It's a kind of a given. Now, if I had a daughter, she might not potentially might not be as quite as interested. Probably will be because there's so much Warhammer in this house. But if obviously if the girls like it. And they find something to go from there, then brilliant. So, again, from experience as a Games Workshop staff member, um, girls always come in, or ladies um, come in, and it's always the tyranny side of things that they liked. There's something about big, horrible monsters that they kind of appreciate on that side of things. Okay. Um, but if, yeah, if your daughter wants to start off with a Space Marine army, fantastic. And if you want to paint it pink, I have no problem with that at all. Yeah. Um, if they want to do stars on it, they want to glitter on it, absolutely fine, because it's more people in the hobby, and that's a good thing at the end of the day. That's all we want, really. To quote yesterday, more people in the hobby means more potential best friends in the future, which yeah. is all we really want, Yeah, right? yeah. which is the, the crux of it. Um, uh, Dan Brooks says, my seven-year-old daughter picked Savage Uruk as her first box of models. Fucking brilliant. hero. Yeah. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Dragon Gaming says, if you, do- if you have a daughter, you start them off with a corn army. Wow. <laughs> like, straight it's away. Yeah. It's corn or knights. You just go play knights. Giant slumpy robots. You get to stand on things. So there you go. Job's good. That's what we want. Lovely. Yeah, yeah like that. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on the show. It's been like a really no, good brilliant. conversation. Thank you very much um, and an ongoing conversation, I think, for lots of you guys out there, uh, guys and girls, sorry. Um, so if you do have any, by guys, I mean everyone, like, it's just a catch-all. Uh, so, like, uh, yeah, fuck yeah, more pals. Exactly, Jack Baker. Love you tons. Uh, if I uh, like the cheap plug as well, so if anyone wants to follow us on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. I am at Twitter, Tatters1717, and you can see all the nonsense that I throw up on there all the time. Uh, and if you've got questions, just ask us. Again, I'm still a novice. I'm still learning stuff. But if people are interested, give us a shout. And I'm happy to help on that side of things. I can't say I'll be right, but I can try. <laughs> yeah, so uh, just a quick one from Volzen. I'll put all the links to Chris's Twitter handle in the uh, YouTube comments and in the podcast comments as well for you guys. Volzen says, I've been trying to get my girlfriend to 40K and keep trying to get her interested in Sisters or Tyranids. She did not care, but she finally told me she likes Slash Demons and Thousand Sons models. So not what I expected, but I'm excited she wants some models, lol. Let's see, that's I think I think that's one of the things that we miss is like I don't want to get into it too much because again I'd normally put my foot in my mouth in this situation. But women are just people <laughs> who have yeah. they have like I don't get why some people some men like the armies that they do. So yeah. to assume that a woman would like some woman orientated like representation is important, but a female orientated range like is like yeah. disrespectful to them as people because they're just gonna like what they like, right? Yeah, again, it's, the way we kind of used to do is working in the Games Workshop is if you just show people and let them choose for themselves, there you go, these are your options, this is what you do, and if you want to mash stuff together and do your own thing, that's absolutely fine, go for it. And there's no problems with that. And it doesn't matter if it's male, female, or any, any of the, of the agendas that we have. So, yeah, go for it. That's not a problem at all. Yeah, agreed. All right, so, well, Chris, lovely talking to you. Thanks very much. Uh, no, any shout-outs you want to make? Shout-outs from you? Um, if I shout out to my little boy, congratulations, you get to play Warhammer when you're another three years old. 
And she's like, oh. once he gets six, then we can start. And it's just not yet. <laughs> All right, three more years. Three more years. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been tuning in live. If you've got any thoughts or comments, please let us know. Don't forget, me, Nick, and Tom are going to be talking about the Jakari Codex tonight. Uh, so do tune in for that. It's going to be a, a laugh riot. Um, they're fine, apparently, which is good. Uh, so let's do that. And then, uh, yeah, we're live for the rest of the week, of course, as always. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. Chris, again, thank you very much. Uh, let's, go do a, let's, go, let's go do a raid now and go make someone happy, uh, which will be fun. Chris is the guest. I'm going to let you choose. Would you like to raid a Warhammer person or go something weird? That's our first port of call. I, I saw the um, the fishing one the other day on Wednesday. <laughs> <That was great. laughs> Um, and I saw the, the, th- the uh, five girls sing as well. So let's go for a random one again. Because a random all... one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna, that means we're going to throw into... I'm going to go throw into uh, Just Chatting, which is normally the random one. Um, and I'm just going to go find something. I'll try to go for something a little bit... Uh, like a basket weaving or something like that. Live action basket weaving. <laughs> Live action basket weaving. It's, uh, I never know what to, to do in this situation uh, when it's non-Warhammer stuff. Um, perfect. Wait, is this real? No, that can't be real. I thought he died. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of ladies just streaming. I'm just gonna just be like straight up about that. Okay, all right. This this sounds fun. Let's go do this. Um, I think just raiding anyone doing anything is. Oh, this one is for my friend. Okay, so we are going to raid a German streamer. So if anyone doesn't know anything about um, uh, so German streamer, so have you found Tristan's um, Tomb Hot Tub live scene one? Is that <laughs> uh, right, right. So uh, we're going to go raid now. Uh, thanks very much, Chris, for tuning in. Uh, well, for coming yes. on the show. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Loads of love, podcast bros. Uh, everyone on Patreon, you're all wonderful. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you guys later. Have a nice day.